to the show that's effing weird today we are going to be talking about a particular seer known as nostradamus starting this off you have our host me leo i'm alex i'm ro and i'm tristan and as i mentioned today we're going to be talking about prophecies but more specifically the ones connected to nostradamus i'm sure everyone's familiar with prophecies especially in the world ones people talk about those throughout all the years, but today we're going to be tackling a French astrologer and physician, notorious for having made prophecies that reportedly came true. Uh, he went by different names, um, I believe it's Michel de Notre-Dame or, or Michel de Notre-Dame. Uh, he was born in December 14th, 1503 in France, so Sagittarius, interesting little fact there. And he had reportedly died, uh, it's either July 1st or July 2nd in 1566, not sure why they're unsure of the exact day but yeah so he was only 63 when he passed away which i guess was a fair age back then but you know nowadays it's like well 63 that's relatively young leo you what year was he born yeah so he was born in 1503 so i think like during the times of the renaissance and everything and you know the plague and all of that insanity going on okay and I think what's makes what made him so popular is the fact that he was, you know, popular during the times of the Renaissance. So, you know, they had like a whole bunch of creative talents and extravagant inventions and just all kinds of like out of the extraordinary things going on. So I think that's what like he was, you know, there at the right time, so to say. Yeah, people really liked weird stuff during that period. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny enough, he actually started off doing a medical practice in Agen, which was a town in south southwestern France, home of, you know, a lot of scholars at the time. And. Sometime in 1530s, he was actually kicked out from medical school, so he never actually got his degree, but was still, of course, you know, doing his practice. And so after a while, he had made a move to, I believe it's Salon, about 10 years later, and that's when he had started to gain renown for innovative treatments during the plague outbreaks. Shortly after dealing with the outbreak and everything in 1547, that's when he had started to get into his prophecies, and he had released a book called Centuries in 1555. And these consist of what were called quatrains, which is basically like just four-line poems. And that's a bit of a debate as far as the accuracy of that, but we'll get into that a little later. But as time went on, his prophecies supposedly came true. And, you know, of course, they went under a lot of critique and a lot of scholars and everybody, you know, nowadays questioned the legitimacy of the prophecies he's made. What were some of the first ones that he made that came true? So some of them, uh, some of his more famous ones was the Great Fire of London, which he had stated the year it happened was 1666. Uh, the French Revolution, he re talked about Napoleon, Hitler, and I actually have that one here. Prophecy goes that from the depths of the west of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. And what does this child do? He will, by his tongue, seduce a great troop and his fame will spread far beyond Europe. So, of course, great troop being his, you know, army and his fame spreading out being, you know, everything that he was doing during those times. So in a nutshell, these these small little poems, these four line poems or whatever are like, so you take that what you just said about because that, um, that was Hitler, obviously. And they're saying that, that because of that, that predicted Hitler and like that was so what he said was true then? Yeah, we're going to get <laughs> into that. So like there's a lot that goes on with like what he originally said versus what was translated because I believe it was written in like was it like an old French or like a different language basically that was a bit difficult to translate during those times. Because old French is even a lot different than modern French. Like it's almost uh, like illegible compared to modern French. Right, it's like Latin versus Spanish. Yeah. So essentially a lot of these prophecies that he he predicted and everything like that, technically they may not be necessarily true because of the um, the interpretation of the language is completely different. Yeah, that's one of the debates among scholars that we're definitely going to talk about 
momentarily. But yeah, that's okay. definitely one of the things that just is like it's questionable as far as how accurate his statements were, just based on the fact of what was said. Because a lot of a a lot of what drove controversy with what he said was how like cryptid or how enigmatic it was that he said. Because a lot of times wasn't clear cut. Well, that's like me saying like the sky will turn dark a hundred years from now. And then like, <laughs> you know, that might happen. And then it's like, oh, he's right. a pro, you know, like he, he prophesies this. And that's what I almost feel like a lot of these, uh, a lot of prophecies that he had come, come up with because even doing a little bit of research on it and everything like that, it was just like he was throwing darts at a board it, to me. That's what it almost seemed like because there was like, it wasn't just one prophecy that he'd come up with. It was multiple ones. So oh, yeah, you, it was it was a lot. <laughs> and that's the thing is like if I were to say a hundred different things might happen in the future, well, maybe, you know, one out of that hundred will happen. That doesn't make me, you know, it doesn't make me like I can predict the future and everything like that. But well, like what's his ratio? Yeah, exactly. It's just a ratio thing. Yeah. Well, what is his ratio? Because we know a couple of the ones that they say are true. How many? How many did he come up with? Like, what's the uh, number of six hundred and ninety-three? I think it was. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> I would hope he's right a few times, man. <laughs> no, I think no. I'm sorry. Let me let me let me reiterate it. Six thousand three hundred and thirty-eight is the number he was told to have written. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right. Yeah, and some of them were actually debunked. Like he had quote unquote predicted the Challenger explosion, where it was reported that nine would perish when it was actually only seven. I know still a lot of people, but, you know. Uh, another one was the the death of Princess Diana. The poem he wrote for it was uh, God the Last, but first the nickname of Nostradamus of the 90s. Takes the goddess of the moon for his day in movement, a frantic wanderer and witness of God's law, and awakening the world's great regions to God's will. So they claim that the goddess of the moon is supposed to be Princess Diana because... For some reason and then trevor reese <laughs> who was a survivor of the incident uh his last name reese r-e-e-s spelled backwards is seer which was of course another name for a prophet so that's like somehow that connects to that yeah like, it, it's a lot of like oh you know this next to that and i think why uh he said princess diana is related to goddess of moon because Diana is the Roman version of goddess Artemis and Artemis is the goddess of moon. So I think that's how it's connected. Or maybe I'm thinking too much into it. No, no, that's a great connection. That might be the same kind of, you know, connection that they made and made back in those days too. I should be interpreting prophecies then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. We all should be. (laughs) Right. Just interpreting things how we want. Well, I think that's, that's such a hard thing too, is like, he's not directly saying Princess Diana is going to die. Yeah. You know, it's it's not that. It's it's a poem. You have to interpret it. You have to decipher it. And I feel like in that sort of sense, you know, I mean, granted, like, I guess a lot of the poems he did say, though, I mean, it they did turn out to be true. But again, we were saying he's over 6,000 different poems. One of them has got to be true eventually. Yeah, but they're vague, too. I mean, the one about Hitler, like, that could mean just about anything. True. True. I mean, didn't it also refer to, like, Napoleon? Because that's a similar kind of deal, right? I mean, he was pretty poor and worked his way up and then kind of wreaked havoc over all of um, Western Europe. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you can't really say outright whether this one is for this specific incident or this one is for that specific incident. If he says Hitler in any of his stuff, then you've got <laughs> Right. <me>. Like, <laughs> And I, that's that's something too. Is like, ah, it's just so the interpretation of it, and that that's almost like like you can do that with like a lot of stuff, like even like paintings too. Is like what like every single painting, you know, like just because the painter, you know, is like this is how I feel about it. Well, it's a painting, it's art. You can interpret it any way you want to. In poem poetry, that's a type of art. So how you interpret that, you know, it's it's up to you in a way. So. I found another reference to Hitler as well that I thought was interesting, and it goes, the major battle shall be close by the Hister, H-I-S-T-E-R. He shall cause the great one to be dragged in an iron cage, while the Germans shall be looking at the infant Rhine. Now, obviously you think Hister, that has to be a reference to Hitler, but in actuality, it's like that's just another name for the lower Danube River, which he was close by. 
So that's where, you know, they kind of blur the lines between, oh, that has to be Hitler. Like, "Mm, not really. Yeah. But at least that one is more specific to like Germans versus the first one wasn't, it was just Europe. Right. There was another one that he had made about 9-11 and it goes, earth shaking fire from the center of the earth will cause tremors around the new city. Two great walks will war for a long time. Then Arethusa will ride in a new river. Now, a lot of people would interpret that like New City as in New York City, Two Great Rocks as in like the war that went on after 9-11 and, you know, Earth Shaking Fire being the explosions. That That is, I don't see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. That, I don't see that as him predicting 9-11. Now, if he were to said like there's two great pillars that fall um, from, you know, something in the sky, which creates havoc in the Middle East. Like, okay, all right, I, I can see that. But I don't, maybe it's just, I don't understand his, you know, again, like old English and even, you know, I guess French is, mm, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't think he's a, pro- I don't know, I don't and think that's, so. That's part of the debate. It's like, that could be anything. And did he even say that? Because, again, a lot of what was stated, a lot of what was translated may have been misinterpreted or may have been written wrong to fit whatever agenda the person that was writing the translation wanted it to fit. True, true. Prophecies have their own vagueness. So, you know, if it is a a fulfilled prophecy, I mean, it can be explained as coincidental because it's so vague, it can be anything. You can relate it to anything. That's what I think. You just wait enough time and of course it's going to come true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And that's yes. the thing about it too. Like he himself never referred to himself as a seer. He basically observed events of the past and wrote about it. And it was like history repeats itself. So something like this is bound to happen again and again. And that's where this whole idea comes from that he had said himself. Like I don't predict the future. I just write about what has came to pass and what will likely happen again. And didn't he use, like, wasn't, he, so you, we were saying, or you said that he was an astrologer and he, like, he did some other research, too, to come up with these predictions, correct? Or, I guess, like, these things that he would write about. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, he also received a lot of criticism for that as well, for his astro- astrological observations, because he had no, uh, like, formal education on the subject, just, like, with his medical degree. Like, he got, got kicked out of medical school, but was still doing medical practices with, like, the plague and everything. So that's where, like, it's like, mm, is he as reliable as a source as he makes it out to be? What are your guys' thoughts on that, though? So, like, now this is kind of getting off subject and everything like that. But if someone is, you know, okay, you know, studying to do medicine or, like, do medical work, they do everything perfect, but then they fail that last test, and but yet they still practice medicine. Do you think that's, do you think they're justified, or do you think that's okay for them to do that, or do you think no, they have to take that last test to actually, you know, help people? Well, if they were doing surgery on me, I would hope they'd finish the last part. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Okay. But another interesting thing that it's brought up is that there are claims that he had predicted, you know, what's going on now with the uh, the pandemic. Oh boy, let's, let's heard hear these it. ones. Let's hear the poem about this. <laughs> so the 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 poem that was written is there will be a twin year in parentheses twenty twenty, from which will arise a queen, Corona, who will come from the east, China, and who will spread a plague in the darkness of night. On a country with seven hills, which they claim is referring to Italy, and will transform the twilight of men into dust, which of course means death, to destroy and ruin the world. It will be the end of the world economy as you know it. Now, there's no actual proof linking him to that claim. And it's also important to note that the plague was big during that time. So just like he wrote about things that happened before, he had at least 30 to 35 plague prophecies. So any one of those could have stick and, you know, been like, oh, this is, you know, reporting the coronavirus, this is reporting the Zika virus, this is all kinds of outbreaks that happened. Like, no, it's just he wrote about what was going on at that time and kind of just worded it, you know, a few different ways as a possible future. That's an interesting coincidence with Italy, though. Because, I mean, it makes sense uh, a prophecy around that time period would reference Italy because it was still a fairly central point in the Mediterranean, like that Western world. But, I don't know, it's just kind of funny that they at least do mention Italy where with the coronavirus, that was a huge, that was a huge deal for like a month. Remember that? Oh, yeah. 
I don't. <laughs> oh, when like Italy it's, was it's, falling apart, you don't remember that? Like that was uh-uh. like every day for like a couple of weeks because like there was the worst outbreak in like one of the yeah one of um, the western areas was in Italy. Um, and there's that whole like YouTube video of all like the mayors staying like saying stay the fuck home. Like, hey, uh, wait, yeah. was this 2020? Was this it 2020? This is like this is 2020, okay, like yeah. mid 2020 that summer. Oh, so like this was at like the height or like when it first kicked off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, before like so, everything got shut down. Okay. Yeah, I, my memory is for shit. So like, I, I would, I'm gonna go back. I'll look at it and everything like that, and it'll probably jog my memory. But no, I don't remember that. Like Italy was <laughs> on fire. <laughs> oh, was it on fire? Is just like they had the bit. They had the worst spikes at the time. Um, mm. it, was, it was like before it hit New York real hard. Okay. So what other things did he predict? Did he like so let me let me think of some. You said the 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 challenger, the explosion, correct? Yes. Do you have that poem of what it what it actually says? Let me see if I can find it. But I know there was that one and there was like a few others that were like debunked because of a few details that were off like with maybe the amount of casualties or the year it was supposed to happen or even the location. And another big thing, like we mentioned before, is the mistranslation and misinterpretation of a lot of what was said, because a lot of scholars during that time and possibly even now, like trying to translate old French to, you know, more modern translations, it's like it it could get mixed up, it can get misinterpreted, it might be something missing, or they might just add on their own things just to make it fit more of whatever they're trying to sell. That's true. That's true. Just trying to find the prediction. All right, so I found it. So it says, in the mission of the first blue star, a child of the Holy Land among the seven shall perish. As the ship descends heaven's sky, the lone star be scattered with wreckage. Can you say it one more time? Yeah, I need another one of those. Yes, so it says, in the mission of the first blue star, a child of the Holy Land among the seven shall perish. As the ship descends heaven's sky, the Lone Star be scattered with wreckage. So I thought you said that the interpreter, the the poem had nine and not seven. So I think they switch them up because this is actually like a they report this as like a phony Nostradamus prophecy. Oh, okay. That they that they kind of just threw out there because that's another thing that's like a common issue is like a lot of people will come up with something and then throw it on the internet and say, hey, look, this is a Nostradamus prophecy about whatever event that's going on at the time. Mm. It's a problem with Ben Franklin too. Anytime someone comes up with like a smart quip or something, the the joke is you always refer, say that uh, Ben Franklin said it first, so it sounds legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a common problem with like scholars and people of before. It's like, because it's not as well documented, you, you could just say, oh yeah, he said this and everybody's going to believe it, especially if enough traction is, is gained with it. So he was, he was born in 1503. He only lived 60 years, correct? Yeah, it lived to be about 63 or so. 63. That's just crazy to think that, like, he was, people are connecting stuff that, you know, was 500 years old, almost. Right, and that's the crazy thing about it. It's like, it's been that long, and yet people are still bringing it up. Or trying to connect, you know, all these different things, and I don't know if it's just to to gain no, no, you know notoriety or popularity because a lot of these people will publish books with reported, you know, Nostradamus prophecies, and of course make money off of it or gain you know popularity with it. Mm-hmm. So, what exactly led him to make the prophecies? Because he said he was a doctor first, or like was almost a doctor, but he said he was still at least helping out the plague. What exactly prompted all of this? So from what I've gathered and what I can tell, uh, it was really just him making predictions about the future based on, you know, past wars, past events. And his idea was that history repeats itself all the time because of how many wars have happened, how many outbreaks there have been. So he's just decided, you know, to release a whole bunch of different poems that can or cannot connect to different things that may happen in the future. Like there's undoubtedly going to be another, you know, from 1503, there's undoubtedly going to be like another war potentially another outbreak of some kind of sickness and, you know, so on and so forth. So, of course, at that time, he decided, I'll release these books, I'll release these poems out and just let them be. Was it something that 
like he was telling people that he was writing all this stuff or wasn't it was it an un was it jeez was it oh, <laughs> when he died then did they find this stuff <laughs> i don't know why i can't talk <laughs> i think he had released it out like you would any book at the time and to just kind of have it out there and i guess like as time passed on as he was no longer you know with us people picked it up and started of course translating was like hey i can I can do something with this. I can make this something real popular. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, grab these these cryptic, you know, poems and be like, oh, this has to refer to aliens and this has to refer to Hitler and this has to refer to Napoleon. Like, nah, this can be anything. I just wonder his motivation for writing it all down. Like, was it stuff where he was plagued by like dreams or is it just stuff he was coming up off with like off the top of his head? Um, I don't know. That's, that's what got to me curious is why he felt the need to publish these things because or write them down because i mean that's not easy in that time period um most people couldn't write let alone know how to publish something uh so i'm just really curious about the motivation yeah i think it was just him basically telling of events that has already happened and kind of just like basically writing like a history book but in the form of poems from what i can see what i can find Writing a history book like poems, then people misinterpret it as tellings of the future. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like a complete mis- <laughs> It was just like, I was just trying to write some poetry, man. Like, stop. <laughs> yeah, because you got to remember, too, this was during, like, the Renaissance. So, like, people were doing all kinds of crazy stuff, writing all kinds of, you know, different things and coming up with all kinds of inventions and releasing it to the public. So, I guess he just thought, you know, I'll go ahead and add to that collection. Because he was, like, a scholar, too. You know, he did a lot of studying and things like that and, you know, had studied a lot with astrology and tried to be a doctor and everything. So I guess he just thought he needed to go ahead and release a book for himself. So how did he die? Now that I haven't been able to find. Um, he, yeah, he died of gout, which had plagued him. So, Oh, oh man, not gout. Yeah. Is gout that, like that foot thing? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, hold on. Let me let me look at what a gout is. I think gout is like a major inflammation thing. Yeah, inflammatory arthritis. And I think that turned into edema, and that's how he died. Okay. Yeah, I think he's definitely one of those like interesting characters that people popularize just because of how fascinated people are by you know prophecies and possible events of the future. Just like this whole scandal with the 2012 and the end of the world and the Mayan calendar and everything, how everybody blew that out of proportion and was just becoming so excited about the the idea. Not excited in the good way, but more so excited in the sense of like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, mass panic and mass hysteria about the world's going to end and all this craziness. It's like, it's just a misunderstanding of the, the, the knowledge that the people possessed back in those days. Well, wasn't it just that they just stopped making the calendar and that's kind of like why the calendar ended. I thought I heard that somewhere where like, it was like, just because like they just made the calendar up to 2012 and, or something like that. And then it was just like, no, they just, they didn't make anything past that. Uh, if I understand correctly, that's where it starts over. And I think it's like it records a giant passing in, I think, in our galaxy. Like it's like a 27,000 year cycle or something. And it has to do with some cycle um, of our planet within the galaxy. I'm pretty sure that's what it was because they were just obsessed with astronomy and they just love tracking the cycles of stuff because they thought it meant something. It it doesn't. But um, I mean, if a cycle is 27,000 years long and you kind of figure out like how it works you'd probably base a lot of stuff around it too. Yeah, and that's what I heard too. Talking about space hurts my head. <laughs> we can't talk about space too much. Those big numbers they hurt, don't they? <laughs> 100. Ow, my head. <laughs> so to me Nostradamus, it he doesn't seem like he was much of a you know, telling of the future. You, yeah, to, it was just, I feel like what you were saying, like he just wrote things that had happened in the past are bound to repeat themselves again. You know, he probably put a little bit of spin, a little pizzazz on some of the poems too. And like what you're saying, people are just like kind of grabbing at stuff, trying to make things fit. And then again, with the whole old French, you know, it's like, or it was not used anymore. 
trying to interpret it, you can get a lost one. And you can do that. Like even now, like even, I mean like row, I'm sure you can kind of contest to this, but like are some words that we use in English just not translatable into Indian? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Simple. Okay. Or like, yeah. Or like even some sayings, like, is there anything that, like a saying that we have in English that just like does not translate at all. You know, you'll have to give me examples. Alex. Um, what about, let's see here. Kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's one in Hindi. Ek se do nishan. So what does that mean? That means um, you kill two things with one arrow. That's really close. Oh, okay, That's cool. okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me give you a harder one then. Um, uh, shit happens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, and that's just the thing. Like, I'm. Uh, that's that's my take on this guy. Is that like he was just you know spouting some stuff off, and like we said, six thousand, six thousand poems. One of them has got to stick, or something's got to kind of fit that that piece of that puzzle. Yeah, I mean, so. if you look at the prophets, they do end up making a large number of prophecies. So definitely, there there's a chance of at least one prophecy being correct. It almost feels like. So the Renaissance was the rediscovery of the classical era because there's that dark ages after the collapse of Rome. And then after that came like the middle ages and then you got the Renaissance where they were rediscovering the classics and a bunch of people learned how to read. And now remember like a lot of those classics, like we've even looked at like the Iliad and uh, the Odyssey, they're giant long poems. It almost feels like he was trying to write history just in poetry form because that's what was popular because that's what the Renaissance were. So he could like be a Renaissance guy. So he could be a historian and a doctor. That was their whole big thing is they could be multiple things. And then he just wrote like a shit ton of poetry that got misinterpreted and mistranslated later. Is Do you think it's one of these things where he wanted to be like known for something and that's why he did all doubt of this it. stuff? I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, if you're smart enough during that area, er, during that era, I mean, why didn't he just stick with just being a doctor? I'm sure he had plenty of work like during the middle True. of the plague. Like uh, he probably wasn't bored. So I think he was just trying to, I don't know, I could be completely incorrect, but I bet to an extent he was trying to make a name for himself, but I don't know if he meant to make a name for himself the way that it happened. Yeah, I can agree to that because um. I haven't found any sources that even say like he called himself a prophet or anything like that. So I think, like you said, I think he just wanted something out there to, you know, gain a bit of popularity himself, but he didn't expect it to explode the way it has to where he's like, oh, you know, like, have you ever heard of Nostradamus? He's a world-renowned, you know, prophet, uh, seer and predicted the future. And he talked about this event and that event. That's almost like us making this podcast and then 500 years from now, they're like, oh, this is the most accurate, up-to-date information on that we have of any recording ever. This is the most accurate. So, um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's very loose, but, you know, it's... It reminds me of an idea that I've heard of, like, how, like, TV signals and radio signals, they kind of just go on for infinity. So it's like if, like, an alien stumbles across, like, one of our, you know, TV frequencies, they'll look at some sitcom and that's... What they think. I think we talked about it before, but like that's what they'll think that the earth is like. It's like the 60s sitcoms and you know, old school radio shows. <laughs> Imagine if it picked up something like a zombie movie. Like, what the heck is going on on this oh, planet? We gotta go down there. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just, there's people eating people. Right. <laughs> well, do any of you guys believe in any prophecies like generally? Um, it sounds like from Nostradamus, most of his stuff is pretty loose from what we're, we can tell. Um, but are there any ones maybe connected to his or just in general that just have you going, oh, crap. Yeah, that seems real. So something that my wife and I were actually talking about today, because <laughs> I was telling her about the podcast that we're about to do or that we're doing right now, um, is that the the whole 2012, that the world actually did end then. And we're all like in limbo or we're in like a computer, like, you know, like the matrix simulation thing. Like that would be cool (laughs) if that were the case. And I mean, like, it's kind of weird to think about, but you know, like it seems that like, 
2012, 2013, like in that general area, just everything was just like, you know, just there really wasn't a care in the world, you know, like everything to me at least like was, you know, just fine. But like nowadays, like 2020 to now, 2022 has just been like chaos and everything. Like it's just, it's just crazy. I would like to think that the, uh, the 2012 thing actually could have happened and everything, but obviously we're, we're still kicking it here. But as far as other prophecies go, I don't, I don't think there's any out there that I know of that, like I believe in per se. Um, so, and I'm not really like, again, like the poems that Nostradamus made, you can interpret those a million different ways. So I, I don't know. I, I, as for me right now, there, I don't think there's really any sort of prophecies that I believe in. I always liked the 2012 one because I was like graduating high school around then. So it was just like a really mm. interesting thing that like I had, a, I had a friend that was super obsessed with the zombie apocalypse happening then. And he got super into survival <laughs> gear and shit. And yeah, you know, yeah, no, he had like a, a, one of those big army backpacks, a bunch of knives and stuff. And he was just like, I'm prepared for the zombie apocalypse that's happening on 2020. <laughs> I, he was obviously joking, but it was just kind of a hobby he developed out of, out of the fat of it. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I know what you mean. It does feel like there is this weird, like tipping point at around that era from like 2008 to like 2014, almost like where just things started to kind of get a little weirder every year. <laughs> And I don't know, I almost think it has more to do with just the way we share information since then. Because 2012 was like at the boom of people utilizing, honestly, like the internet just on a regular basis. Because it was used before, but once it like was in the palm of your hand, which was really starting around that era, I feel like just everything kind of took a shift. And I don't know if that's, they were like somehow any of that is ever connected with how those prophecies worked or that time frame, or if it's just a huge coincidence. But it does feel around that time uh, societal shift did kind of happen. Mm-hmm. We're just not realizing it till 10 years later. Cause you don't realize things are shifting when they're happening. Right. Yeah. 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 But what you were talking about earlier, Alex, it kind of reminded me of like a, there's a bit of a side tangent here, but I think it's called quantum leaping to where basically like if something happens, like a near death experience happens, you like, I guess your soul kind of like shifts into another dimension where that incident, where you survive that incident. So like you continue on like a, basically like a, in a video game where you die and respawn, you know, in that same checkpoint or same area and you kind of just keep going with your life. And I think that's probably what happened worldwide on 2012. It's like, we might have very well have had like a serious incident, but then we kind of just like, Oh, you know, respawn, level up, whatever, new life. (laughs) <laughs> but there's the one hero of the movie that remembers what happened and he's all right. sulking now. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ro? Is there any sort of prophecies or anything like that that you that you believe in? And I do think that prophecy has aspects of psychology. It's got nothing to mm-hmm. do with magic. Um, and that's what I believe. Maybe there is. Uh, but I think it's it's got a lot to do with cognitive. Because cognitive psychology actually breaks into or, you know, kind of researches into pattern forming and attention to the formation of prophecy in modern day society. And while that is the person who is predicting it, the person who is receiving it can also be kind of self-fulfilling the prophecy. Because again, when when they receive the prediction or the prophecy, um, you know, they end up expecting something and, you know, uh, expecting that thing to become true and because the person believes in it or anticipates it and probably the person's behavior will align to fulfill the belief is what I believe. Uh, And one of the examples uh, while I was researching is that I came up with is, uh, I don't know if you guys came across this name because she's quite famous, Baba Vanga. She's from Bulgaria. Um, So in around uh, 1970s, uh, there was this Yugoslavian actress, Silvana. I'm not going to pronounce her last name because I do not want to mess it up. So, uh, Silvana, <laughs> <laughs> Silvana met Vanga when she was on a tour in Bulgaria. And it is said that Vanga did not even look at her and sat facing the window with her back towards Silvana. And it, it, they just didn't speak to each other. And after a while, Vanga told her, 
do not pay i do not want to speak with you go and come back in 3 months so silvana got up and started walking towards the door when vanga called out again and said and said wait you will not be able to come so go now and if you can come back in 3 months do so so silvana took this as a confirmation of her death and she eventually died 2 months later in a car crash with her sister she was with her sister in the car i've never heard of bamba baba banga thank yeah i've never heard of her before i mean she she was the one who i mean so she uh, there are four uh, predictions that stand out for her two came true and two did not so the most famous or infamous one was of the 1994 fifa world cup where she predicted that uh, two countries starting with the letter b will be playing in the finals so <laughs> so while brazil was one of the countries bulgaria lost to italy in the semi finals and uh, the second one that she predicted which thankfully came uh, i mean did not come correctly was uh, world war 3 would begin in 2010 and end in 2014 oh so those were her major two incorrect pred- predictions her now some of them claim that among the correct uh, predictions uh was that she had predicted that the 44th us president would be an african american mm okay and the and the second one was silvana but i think it was silvana's fault that she decided that she would die instead of you know not True. being around panga or in europe at all true yeah it to me it like it's it's kind of with all of these you know all these people that say that they're prophecies you know like again you say enough stuff something's got to stick so i don't unless someone is a, i guess 100% correct all the time and is very detailed with their prophecy i don't it's going to be very hard for me to believe them i, I don't know yeah it's like that cold reading thing um like they do with the oh what's his name the guy who like cold reads for ghosts oh um, you're talking about oh it's john oh what is that yeah. john oh let me let me look it up real quick um south park makes fun of him it's, yeah that's so <laughs> the biggest douche in the universe <laughs> that guy john. but it, it's like the it's it's similar idea um cuz you're like almost cold reading the future because <laughs> you're just saying it vague enough that you can just fit about anything to it. Yeah. Oh, what is it, John? What? John. John Edwards. John, John Edwards. Edwards. Yes. Fucking John Edwards. Yeah, that guy. And you know, it's it's crazy like now talking about South Park and everything like that, but it is how they break it down in that episode is i feel like it's, it's perfect <laughs> it really is because one of the characters you know is like all right does the name fred mean anything to anybody and then someone raised their hand and then he's like breaking it down like all right most people have like money issues family issues or like something else and he's like does the money sound familiar and they're like oh yeah it is so it's like it's almost like with these at least for john edwards he was picking very broad things you know and he'd get like one or two things correct and then he'd be like all right well they say hello and don't worry about stuff and everyone would clap their hands and everything like that i'm going to go back and watch some john edwards after this <laughs> i'm i'm really interested <laughs> well i mean yeah with the pro- with the prophecies it it just works like in a more broad way cuz um if you start reading those prophecies they set up like a war and it's like okay well it matches this one but not quite this one mm-hmm. but eventually there's going to be a war or a certain set of circumstances that are going to be close enough that you can just stretch it and then be like well it's poetry so i mean it's not like completely literal true true uh ro have you ever heard of john edwards before no no i haven't heard of john edwards so that's something that even i look up yeah it's yeah he was what year what it was like the early 2000s wasn't it Yeah, it was around that time. Yeah, early 2000s. This guy had like a talk show um, you know, like a stage that he would stand on and then yeah, he would just predict or not predict, but he would like talk to spirits. Oh, communicate with dead people. Yeah. He sounds like a mentalist to be 
quite honest. <laughs> oh, what? That's exactly kind of what he is. Yeah, it just he was like one of the first ones that got popular right? with it. Yeah, but it was just it was just cold reading. That's all it was. And I don't think Nostradamus did any of that. So no, but I think he kept stuff intentionally kind of broad. And I'd, I'd be curious what more of the original stuff looked like. Um, just how different it is. I I don't I read a little French just because I I, t- I took four years of it, but I don't speak it, so I can kind of read it. Um, so I'd be curious what like the differences are and how that translation can change. Because I know there's a lot of stuff like that. I've heard that about the Bible, like the original like translation before like before it was translated to Greek is a lot different. And I've always been curious, like what specifically is difference in the nuances of it. Well, yeah, I, it's funny that you bring that up too, because yeah, again, like a lot of old, I feel like that happens a lot of the time. Is like just mm-hmm. it it constantly is changing. Like you look at anything. Uh, what's would be a good just look at the like English language. You know, like we don't use like the and uh, what's another. That's the only word I can think of because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> we don't use the anymore. So <laughs> I don't know. It's it, it just things are constantly changing. So yeah, it would be really interesting to see actually what the original text like was like maybe all right if any of our audience members are french and would have some nostradamus material that they'd like to read to us that we would greatly appreciate it yeah to add on to that i do agree i think like with a lot of ancient texts like you said with like one thing i heard about the bible specifically is how like there was no letter j in the original language so it's like where did j come from you know it's like hmm, it makes you wonder like what did they change and why did they change it? You know, like for what purpose? Cause like, there's like a whole bunch of different versions of the Bible. I know the most popular one that people talk about is, you know, the King James version. And there's this thing that I heard where uh, William Shakespeare was actually like, he had a part in editing and rewriting the Bible. And if you turn to specific pages, can't remember the specifics on it, but like there's certain pages where he put his name, like shake and spear on like 34 and 37, which was like the year he was born or something like that. No. Yeah, look at uh, it. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't I believe that that's yeah. a conspiracy. Yeah, is, um, it is a conspiracy, but it's... Really? It's a real conspiracy <laughs> is what it is. Wrote the, oh my gosh, it's actually on Google. William Shakespeare wrote the Bible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like there's this whole thing where if you go to specific pages, like you see the last word is shape, and then another page, the last word is spear. And it's like, oh, that was the year he was born or the year he wrote, well, quote unquote, edited. Speaking of the Bible, there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like you have to have like almost a, a key to it. And like if you go to this page and then this page and then this page and this specific word on this line, I, I've seen stuff about that with the Bible where there's like hidden messages in it, like predicting the future. Based off like where you look into it. Right. And that could very well stem from like, you know, confirmation bias or just people putting two and two things together that really don't fit. But if you, you know, you, you squint, squint hard enough, you know, and hold your head back a little, it might make sense. You can see the ship in the picture. <laughs> right. Well, there's, there's a, oh, I forgot what painting it is or who did it, but there's supposedly a UFO in the background. Oh, I think I know what you're talking oh. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of those, too, where it just looks like there's aliens in the background and shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Saints. Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is going to be hard. I'm going to try it, though. Okay. Uh, it's Madonna with Saint Giovanoio. Oh, my gosh. That's so G-I-O-V-A-N-N-I-N-O. Giovanni. Oh, my gosh. Why can't I? I can't speak. <laughs> Giovanni. Okay, that makes sense. But, yeah, it in that painting, there is a what looks to be a spaceship in the background. Yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, yeah, it totally looks like one. Yeah. I mean, it is an interesting object to to have in a painting. Especially with the hyper detail and, like, the rest of it. Right. But it's also like how they discover what appear to be helicopters and like space space suits and also alien UFOs and like hieroglyphics or, you know, rock paintings and stuff like that. I always find it weird how like 
some, I don't know, maybe it's just what like stays from old art, but just how rudimentary it can kind of feel. I don't know if like it takes like that much training to draw stuff at least more proportional, but it feels like a lot of stuff that's old. It just does. The proportions always feel off. You ever notice that? Like they can have detail, but the proportions are kind of really weird, like from ancient societies or like if you look at European art from like the 800s to like 1200s, that weird where everything's like their faces are all long and stuff. You ever notice that? Yeah, I know. I, I know what you mean. I think it might just have been maybe the material at the time or just the way how the way they might have painted back then. I don't think their paintbrushes were like top of the line either. They probably had to make their own paintbrush. So like, you know, they probably tried to make a circle and it turned out to be a square. They're like, ah. That's but, just how it looks now. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Your head is a square. Also, um, coming back to uh, the letter J. So I and J were used interchangeably to express the sound of both the vowels and consonant. So in 1524, um, let me not mess up the name, but Gian Giorgio Trissino, uh, an Italian Renaissance grammarian known as the uh, father of J, made a clear distinction between the two sounds. So then my question is then his name is not, so I guess for in the Bible, is his name not Jesus then? It was Yeshua as per Hebrew is what I know. Um, Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. Am I? Am I? Did Did everyone know this? Am I just learning this for the first time? Apparently. <laughs> oh my gosh! I need to get out. I need to read more. Yeah, because oh. in the Hindi translation of the Bible, because we have people practicing Christianity over here as well. Um, in the Hindi translation, Jesus is called as Yeshu. Sounds about because um. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Hindi a derivative of ancient Sanskrit? Yes. And then Sanskrit comes from the Indo-European language, which is also the mother language of all European languages. So like, there's a lot of weird vowel stuff that happens yep. between uh, Hindu and, uh, well, most of the Western languages, where even though the words are drastically different, a lot of the way the vowels and consonants are used end up being the same, just because they came from the same place. I think it was from, I think it was from Crimea, if I'm not mistaken. That's where the Indo-Europeans originally came. Um, and then their language yes. just split and changed in weird ways over the continents, so it made everything be pronounced strange. And a lot of English words have been picked up from Sanskrit as well. English yeah. is just weird because it's both uh, Indo-European language, like from the Romance side and the Germanic side. So it's like two yeah. languages that split and then came back together later. And then that's English. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> bastardized language. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, though. I mean, it, it takes things from everything else and then mushes it together. I mean, uh, they changed the name of one fish that we found ex that we find exclusively in Bombay, India. So. Just a, I mean, I know I'm just moving away from the topic, but I thought I'd just bring this up. So during the British rule, um, there was this one train that used to bring all the, you know, postal service letters, etc. And uh, since it used to come from Bombay or go from Bombay, it was called as Bombay. And then dark, dark, which means post. However, in that same train, we used to also get fish. There's, there's this one particular variety of fish. If you can Google it, you, you will find it. Um, and uh, the British has just named it as Bombay Duck. Now that, that's a fish. And now it's named as Bombay Duck, D-U-C-K. <laughs> really? Yeah. Which is, yeah. <laughs> Bombay Duck is actually Bombay Post. And they named the fish Bombay Duck. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's an intense looking fish. It is, but it's actually very tasty and it uh, the thorns do not hurt you. You can just, just swallow it. That's awesome. I, I want to try that. But yeah, that, look it up, Alex. Those things are, they have like this lower jaw that protrudes like really far. And it, it looks like something, it looks I pretty scary actually. <laughs> I think I spelt it wrong because all I got was a picture of a seagull. <laughs> Dude, what's up with you today? <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> Bombay. How, how do you spell it's this? Bombay. Bombay, <laughs> Bombay space duck. Bomb. Bombay. Okay. Okay, that's better. Yep, and it's not a picture. Oh my gosh! What? That does not look real. Right? It looks. It looks pretty crazy. And Ro, you said it's pretty tasty. It is, and it's native only to the waters in and around Bombay. It's, could you compare it to anything that we might know? Like, is it similar to a different fish that probably we'd have access to? Wow, I will have no. to check. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious because well, I'm really second. interested in eating this now, so I need to know. Yeah, but then well, you so please eat an Indian preparation if okay. you're going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> there is something called uh, Bombay duck that is uh, dried. Yes. So it's the same fish. It is it okay? It's the same fish. Does it taste the like, same? No, it tastes different because it's dried and the preparation is also different. So when it's dried, it's dried in salt. So it's a little more salty, and mm -hmm. uh, the preparation is more drier. Uh, this bomb, uh, this Bombay duck, you can fry it, you can make it into a curry. But this, uh, the dried fish, is kind of you just roast it over fire and you can eat it. Okay, I have not had breakfast yet, so we need to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> this this fish is looking delicious. Yeah, I really want like a fish sandwich or something. Now this is this is getting bad. Kind of makes you wonder, like, what is our language going to sound like, you know, a hundred years from now? Like, what is our books going to look like to people a hundred years from now? You've seen um, *Idiocracy*, right? Where the what the language turns into? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> you have. Oh I mean, we That's have such come a great. A, yeah, we have come a long way from Shakespeare. Have it, give it, die. <laughs> how how did you come up with so many and the only one that I had was the <laughs> <laughs> then there's art and thou and chalice no but yeah yeah it's it's probably going to change a lot in imagine 500 years from now because people are still trying to because it was for Nostradamus it was what 1950 something that like his book actually got uh, like republished again or something like that it was something like that. Yeah, I think it Wasn't was like it? maybe 10, 10 or so years later they republished it. It's it's probably going to change a lot and like even so let's let's take the uh for instance I don't know what's a, what's a, an event that happened that's pretty significant. Um Comic-Con. The what? Comic-Con. <laughs> Comic-Con. <laughs> it's pretty significant. Besides Comic-Con. Um yeah, let's just take 9-11, for instance, or whatever, like how that all played out and everything. 500 years from now, it could it, the whole story could change to where it's like, you know, the two buildings, like the earth just shook and then they've collapsed. Who knows? So in reality, things now, granted, like we have video evidence and like things like that. So they'll have a lot more to work with. But yeah, I think some, a lot of things will change in the future there. And that, it's almost like the game telephone. And I've brought this up so many times is like just passing it from one person to another, or just over time, things just change, but it's pretty crazy how that happens. Can you imagine? I mean, the slangs that will be used, I mean, yeet, that guy was salty <laughs> and people will say salty. <laughs> yeet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> salty. Yeah. He was being extra. <laughs> <laughs> so he was carrying around salt with him, like the seasoning. Yeah, there'd be so much. What exactly is happening? <laughs> is a yeet a type of bird? What, what do they mean right. by that? They're throwing it like it's a. Why are they throwing these birds? Has to or a dab? Like a dab? What are they eating? What's a dab? I don't know. What is a dab? <laughs> like, how did a dab go from being like a, a small amount of something or like a, a dip to being a, a yeah. whole move that people do? I have no idea. No <laughs> I, clue. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hip. I'm not with it. So don't ask me. <laughs> I'm seeing this new word called sauce, which is... A uh, word. I mean, it's a, it's a slang version for the word source. I'm like, 
where did sauce come from? Why is it sauce? You know what's another weird one is the word smack. Like to describe something like good or like tasty. What? Like this sandwich smacks. I thought it meant to oh. hit someone. You smack. I see what you mean. No, like I. Or slaps. Like, I'm like, slaps. What That's another one. Yeah, slaps. Slaps. Man, is like, it slaps? Yeah, like this, this food slaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? It's kind of like. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like, so good. Your taste buds. Yeah, or I always think of it like a music thing because that's that's big. Like when you're describing sound, like it kicks or it slaps or you know something like that, and that's that's a good thing because <laughs> you want your music to slap, yeah. man. <laughs> it's lit. I don't know what's. I lit. hate that one. I I, I hate that one, man. Or I remember trip. when that was coming out because no. I was still pretty pretty young when that was happening, and I oh, hated man. it. Lit. Nostradamus God. is lit. <laughs> Another one I don't like is drip. When describing like a person's appearance, like, oh, you got the drip on. Like, what? <laughs> you got a leak going on? What is like, it? How did that one come about? I don't even know. I mean, I, swag was okay. Like, you got swag, like, okay, whatever. But drip, come on mm-hmm. now. That, <laughs> this is just getting out of hand. <laughs> Well, like saying like you got some good threads or like your threads, like that makes sense because like clothing is made out of thread. Right. Like, okay, that may... but drip, what? Maybe we're just all getting old. I guess. Oh I god, yes. Yeah. <laughs> sorry if sorry if you're really young and you're listening to this and you're we're just like not connecting with you. It's not that we don't like you or anything like that. It's just <laughs> no, I don't thing, know. But, you know. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, that's like groovy in the seventies. How how did that groovy? How did that one come about? Because I listen to groovy music, man. I don't know. No, no, because <laughs> now you're using the same word, groovy, <laughs> or like hip. It's like I guess you groove, you know, move on the dance floor. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of that was connected to like their that whole hippie music scene. You know, just. You use a lot of weird words to describe like sounds and visuals sometimes because like especially when they're abstract, you got to kind of come up with different words to describe them. And I think that's kind of where it came from in the 70s. We got that yeah, kind of more groovy music or you got just all the psychedelic visuals. You kind of needed more specific because when you when you say the word groovy, like you instantly think like tie dye and like shit like that. Like, you just kind of have to. Um but like if someone says yeet or like lit or something, I don't have like a connection. There's no like, you don't picture something. There's no aesthetic that really I, I see that goes with it as well. I'm going to look up where yeet came from. <laughs> okay. So it was the, the, the original use of yeet was a term for a dance, which arose about 2014, but was then transformed into an ex- explanation for excitement or exuberance when throwing something oh <laughs> such as trash into a trash can or making a shot in basketball. <laughs> so it was a dance move or there was a dance or like floss flossing. The floss dance, dance move. Yeah. Yes. Like, Oh my god. I goodness. think there should be prophecies of what new teen slangs are going to come up so that we can just <laughs> nip it in the bud. We don't really need more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come up with my own word and I'm just going to use it on the show. I don't know what that word is yet. And today's not the day, Alex, for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think today is the perfect day because I can't even talk anyways. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, because if you think about it, it's like it's true. The, the past is repeating itself because, you know, back then, I think it was what the 90s, 80s, I had like you know, dance moves that were considered considered different or like out of the ordinary. And, you know, like to the older generation, it's like, oh, that's y'all, you know, doing all these crazy moves and stuff. And now you come into like the 2000s, more dance moves coming out that generation before. And I was like, oh, these dance moves are crazy. And now look at us, you know, kids these days are coming out with these dance moves and are like, oh, y'all are crazy. So it's like, it kind of just repeats itself. You know, it's like a repetitive cycle, like as the generations go on and more things come out, it's like, ah, that's just weird to us, but normal to them. And then what'll be normal to the generation after them will be weird to them. And you know what you just did? We just came full circle with Notre Dame because he was uh, just predicting the past would repeat (laughs) itself. (laughs) Unknowingly. Plot twist. 
Uh, well, I think I think we've pretty much you know talked as much as we could about Nostradamus and the uh, the topic of prophecies. Yeah, I think we are yes. this out. Alrighty. Well, thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for future updates as we release m- new episodes. Uh, my name is Leo. I've been your lovely host. I've been Alex. I've been your other host. This is Joel. And this is Tristan. Alright, thanks again for tuning in to That's Heffin' Weird. Until next time, stay strange. Oh.